Coming up on today's Compassion Radio. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, If you would sum up the whole character of Christ in reference to ourselves, it might be gathered into this one sentence, He was moved with compassion. If you took all of Jesus' character, all of what the scriptures say, everything about him, you just summarized it in one statement. Here it is. He was moved with compassion. What does that even mean? It means compassion defined who he is. Hi, friends, and welcome back to an encore presentation of a classic Compassion Radio series. Since Sandy and I recorded this program last election cycle, I'm aware that some details have changed and new challenges have arisen, so keep that in mind. However, I think you'll find that the principles are evergreen and the need to put them into practice is more important than ever. So here's part three of the series we're calling The Compassion of the Elect. At a time when we've just endured, or some might say suffered through an election season, (laughs) we need to get back to compassion. We're regrouping. We're looking forward to the end of this year to celebrate the birth of Christ, family togetherness. There's still a lot of threats and things standing in the way, I think, before we can just say, oh, things are, quote, back to normal or we're at peace with the circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a long time before we actually feel normal again, <laughs> yeah. considering feel all normal. of the events, yeah. everyone is feeling the weight of it. I know that. It's not just us. Uh, we are Worldwide, in we're a part crowd of, of witnesses for the you whole know, thing. There's something about adversity that brings people together, right? Yeah. And we hear from our grandparents about their experience going through world wars, mm-hmm. that there was something about a defining moment when the nation came together and knew they had to struggle together to get through this thing. I'm almost afraid that in this generation, we are so used to being compartmentalized that we don't sense the common cause we have in dealing with the threats that face us. They seem kind of amorphous to us now. We can't just rise up against a dictator in some other country and say, go away, be done with this or win this war. We're facing something that's much more insidious. We can't tell where this enemy is coming from Mm -hmm. when it comes to COVID. But we do know, too, that the bigger enemy in all of it is fear, overreacting or choosing to blame others, whether they deserve it or not. There's a lot of temptation right now to keep on the attack rather than to be prayerful and be submitted to God's guidance and His Spirit's leadership through the struggles we face. Mm The same thing is true about our missionality as a people. If we're going to be the people of God, the kingdom of God around the world, and say, these are my people, how do I serve now, even in a time of COVID, even in a time of spiritual and political upheaval, even through all these things, Lord, what do you have for us? Mm, We have to find a way to step outside of our comfort zone, to step outside of ourselves and see the other and not look at them as the other, but look at them as part of the human race. We're all in this together and celebrate our lives as much as it depends on us. Be at peace with those around us. So how do we do it? And that's what our guest pastor, Gary Moreno of Legacy Church in Liberty Lake, Washington, will address in today's broadcast. We're giving him a few minutes in each of these four programs to speak from a special sermon in a series called Dangerous Prayers. And that's something that really resonates with me because I don't know, honey, that we've ever not prayed dangerous prayers. I didn't know there was any other kind, actually. (laughs) Especially when it comes to Compassion Radio and the partners (laughs) around the world that we meet. We want to be involved with them. We want to rush to the battle that they face Mm -hmm. and be with them in their struggles. It's just something that's like second nature now. Because we've seen what God does. We've seen the kind of quality of people that God places in places like this. 
Folks, we're in this battle, whether we like it or not, and God wants us to be of the caliber of those who rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. But again, we need to know what the battle is. His Spirit defines the battles, not the threats, but the battles. In other words, all kinds of threats can come at you, but the battle plan has got to come from somebody who's in charge. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to join this battle, God has to tell us what the real struggle is and show us the way into it and the way out of it. Yesterday, Gary posed the question, how do we know what breaks the heart of God? Or Mm. to pray that we would have our hearts broken for those things that break God's heart. He challenged us to go to the scripture read the Gospels, Mm -hmm. and see what it is that Jesus poured his life into and the passions that broke his heart. That's a good place for us to start. And he goes further into that in today's segment of the message. He uses a new Greek word to most of us. And pretty much when we understand what this word really means, it's going to be a real kick in the gut. Mm. We'll turn it over now for the next few minutes again to our friend Gary Moreno, the co-senior pastor of Legacy Church in Liberty Lake, Washington. natural progression is this. I pray the dangerous prayer, Lord, break my heart for the things that break your heart. I go to the gospels, I go to the word, and I discover what breaks his heart. It makes sense then that the God who reveals what breaks his heart in scriptures is going to show me how to respond. He's going to show me by his word what I ought to do, what my response should be. I'm like anybody. What I'm seeing happen in our nation angers me. I have moments where I just want to lash out. Say something. There. There. I see people running wild. I'm seeing the ugly underbelly of our nation. It's ugly. It's a stench. We are a nation that has rejected God and we're watching it play out. We're watching the consequence of it play out in front of us. And I'm ashamed and I'm a little embarrassed. So how did Jesus respond when he saw the crowds? Mark 6 says it this way. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude, the crowds, saw them departing. And many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was, what? Moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So how did I respond? When I pray the prayer, Lord, break my heart for the things that break your heart. And he does. And he reveals it to you. And he shows us again and again and again. Social media feed after social media feed. News outlet after news outlet. Ping after ping after ping. And you look at it and you go, really? He was moved with compassion. This wasn't a one-off compassion, but a compassion that defined who he was and who he is. Spurgeon said it this way, Charles Spurgeon, great preacher, he said, if you would sum up the whole character of Christ in reference to ourselves, it might be gathered into this one sentence, he was moved with compassion. If you took all of Jesus' character, all of what the scriptures say, everything about him, you just summarized it in one statement, what would it be? Here it is. He was moved with compassion. What does that even mean? It means that when he encountered his creation, humanity, All that he did, how he responded, came from a place of compassion. 
This compassion wasn't a one-off emotion that the situation demanded, like I see a, a sad puppy on TV. Oh, oh, I'm compassionate. Go rescue a puppy. Or a child's face on TV, but then I never think about it. But it was something more than just what the situations demanded. It emanated from his life. It was the heart and character of the good shepherd. It flowed out of who he was and who he is. The Greek word, I'll give you some Greek this morning. The Greek word for this word compassion. Are you ready? Splanknitsomai. I'm going to say that out loud. Splanknitsomai. It's a huge word. Crazy word. Awesome word. Splanknitsomai. Here's what it means. Guts. When Jesus was moved with compassion, it was like he got kicked in the gut. It was like he responded from this deep place within himself. Anne Voskamp, in her book, The Broken Way, writes, when the people of God feel compassion like Christ did, and they feel the strike to the stomach, they feel the pain in the deepest places and they hurt and they bend over and they reach out and they, they reach down and they reach out and their lives become cruciform, shaped into the cross of Christ. The definition of this word compassion isn't merely a vague sense. It can never be confused as last night's pizza but a feeling so strong that it causes you to bend. It shapes your body and your life into a response. One scholar puts it this way. If we can speak of God's creation of humanity and people's spiritual blindness and hardness and Christ's rejection as abstract categories without being regularly moved deeply, we do not yet know as we ought to know. If we can talk about all the evil, broken people in the world, all around us, and yet it not regularly move us deeply, we do not yet know as we ought to know. If we can talk about it, and it doesn't move us, it doesn't splanknitsomai, feel it in the deepest recesses of our gut and our heart, we don't know yet as we ought to know. Before we go back to the program today, I just want to remind you that Compassion Radio is a communications ministry, and it depends on the faithful support of you to keep bringing inspiring stories to the air each day. Our vision partners support us monthly with gifts large and small, and make it possible for us to take you to the very front lines of faith. Whether you join our vision team or make a one-time gift, thank you for believing in and standing by this ministry. We're here to bring you real good news in every situation. Just call us at one 800 868 2478 to make your gift and to request our special offer this month, the CD of Michael O'Brien's marvelous Crown Him Music Project, as our thank you. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone or visit our And now back to today's special program. If we can talk about it, and it doesn't move us. It doesn't splanknitsomai. Feel it in the deepest recesses of our gut and our heart. We don't know yet as we ought to know. If I can go through life and not feel burdened, watch, and not feel distressed, but rather sort of just bothered, put off, offended, 
it begs the question, is his splanknitzomai alive in me? And right about here, I sobbed at my desk. Because I had to say, God, I don't, I don't know that that resides in me to the level, to the degree that you desire that to reside in me. I don't know that splanknitzomai is alive in me. I don't know that when I drive the streets of Liberty Lake and the surrounding cities, the Spokane Valley, Post Falls, Coeur d'Alene, when I see people in duress or distress, the obvious ones. Oh, there's a lot of beautiful places around us here. It was Brian Asmus, the police chief here in Liberty Lake, who said, Gary, let me just tell you, when I first planted the church, had a meeting with him, he said, don't let the beauty of the homes fool you. Don't let the nicely manicured grass and lawns fool you. There's brokenness that's behind these doors. And we see it all the time. So we must plead with God, watch this, for the gift of distress over broken humanity. For it is such distress that moves us into action. You ever thought to pray that prayer? You ever thought of distress as a gift? We must pray We must plead with God for the gift of distress over broken humanity, for it is such distress that moves us into action. Listen, it's counterintuitive to the prayer that says, Lord, keep my life distress-free, please. All I ask God is you just get me through the day. I don't have time for disruption. I just don't have the emotional energy to deal with broken humanity. That's just not my calling The dangerous prayer, Lord, break my heart for the things that break your heart, cuts right through those excuses. It hits you in the gut, and it moves us into action. I have to do something. Paul went so far as to say, we read the scripture earlier, he said, even if you have to curse me, God, even if you have to curse my life and throw it aside so that they can find you, then let it be, let it happen. If it means they'll find you, Talk about a guy that was splanknitzomai. Jesus was moved with compassion. And that word compassion means together. Two words, compate. Com just simply, com speaks of two. Compate, the second, the passion part of that means suffer. To suffer, that Lord, I'm willing to walk and co-suffer with you. He was moved with compassion, meant I'm not just going to watch you suffer. I'm going to enter into your suffering. I want to feel your distress. I want to walk alongside of you and feel it with you. That's the kind of heart. That's the kind of church. That's the kind of neighbor that begins to impact cities, impact nations. I choose to feel in my gut the distress of lost humanity until it moves me to action. It's from this place that the church becomes the hope of the world. It's from this prayer, Lord, break my heart with the things that break your heart, where ministries are born, where missionaries are called, pastors are raised up, people who serve in the church, people who serve in community. Whatever is needed to connect people to Christ When you pray this prayer, it just says, I got it. It's deep. I love Ann Voskamp's picture. It causes me to bend and to reach down and then to reach out 
and I, and I create this cruciform, the same picture of the cross of Christ that drew him. He felt it deeply for humanity that drove him to the cross. It was his response to broken humanity. To co-suffer with Jesus says things like, Lord, break my heart for those being abused through sex trafficking. Lord, break my heart for those that are in prison. The writer to Hebrews said, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain. In your own bodies, he's saying, splanknitzomai, as if you felt it yourself. Lord, break my heart for the poor. Break my heart for the homeless. Paul writes in Galatians, only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Jesus remembered the poor in Luke 4. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when the church gets it, when we get this legacy, oh, it's a beautiful sight. Okay, honey, Gary's going at the heart of things, and not just that, probably more like the stomach, the spleen of things. If you've (laughs) ever been kicked in the gut, you know what he's talking about here. God entering into our circumstances knocked the breath out of him. Yeah, it's really easy to get compassion fatigue. Mm. In the line of work that we are in, we see a lot of things that are gut-wrenching. This goes to the heart of the matter. We have to decide what our response is going to be. When I'm angered by social injustice, it can't just be political. There has to be something that is productive and positive toward a real heart change. I think there's nothing that's more dangerous than unbridled anger except for total apathy. You and I have found ourselves in this past year listening to more stories of people that are much closer to us physically than we've been listening to in the past few years. Mm. God has made a way for us by not allowing us to go overseas as much, but it ain't always easy to let those stories touch our hearts. I mean, (laughs) you think about the stories that have moved you in the past. You know, most times when you see a heart-wrenching infomercial, usually hear one story. Mm -hmm. You see the story of one child, of one pet. One story is a crisis. A million lives is a statistic. And that's the problem we're having right now, is that even looking at those who are suffering in our own country, we may have heard of people or even know someone personally who has faced COVID directly. We may even know somebody who has been seriously injured or killed by the disease. But in the sea of all those statistics that we hear on the nightly news of 200, 250,000 people killed in our own country, it's just like a background noise. Mm-hmm. We're generally anxious about these things, but we're not sure what to do about it. It's overwhelming for sure. I don't have a direct answer for how to cope with or how to process that kind of generalized trauma. But we also have to think about anybody who's under the age of 20 has never known a time when the United States is not at war, military war, not just mm-hmm. war against the virus. Yeah, They can't always express why they feel generally anxious. But those of us who have known times of peace between wars think to ourselves, yeah, that would be weird to never know our country not at war with somebody. Mm -hmm. And we are still in countries around the world battling things that we're not even hearing about on the news at all. Well, it's numbing. Yeah. When you're so consistently bombarded with something, you begin to get numb in that spot. So that's what Gary's been talking about today. 
how does God really truly respond to those kind of deep traumas that the world's been going through? He allows himself to get kicked, and he feels it in the very core of him. This planitsamai is the word he uses. Mm-hmm. I love when the scripture in Luke talks about Jesus being moved to compassion, mm-hmm. how he wept over Jerusalem. He wept over the city. He was moved to compassion. Or when he fed the 5,000, it never occurred to me that it was a gut-wrenching feeling that Jesus felt when he was moved for compassion. To me, it was like, oh, they're hungry, so I should feed them. Or, oh, they're sad. He was moved to compassion means this thing you're talking about. Yeah. Their hunger Mm -hmm. on every level just overwhelmed him. Have you ever thought about God being overwhelmed with your suffering? Mm. That's what we're being told in the Gospels is happening because Jesus showed it. Mm. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Every single time, Mm -hmm. this is the God that we worship. As Gary says in his message, pray for that gift of distress. Mm. And we don't often think about distress as being a gift. But in this sense, it is a gift because that gives us the capacity then to really love as Jesus loved. It's bigger than we can imagine it being. It might be a bit different, too, than the gift of suffering. We've talked about that gift a number of times in the program. My impression of that gift, you may not want to unwrap this one because it's going to cost you, but it's still my gift to you. When people open that up and see God's chosen me for suffering, then they choose to enter into that and allow it to happen to them and be obedient in that suffering. The uh, gift he's talking about, the gift of distress, is one of saying, God, I want to feel what Mm -hmm. you feel. You're asking to be put inside God's heart in his mind. Yeah. This seems to be more like the prophet Jeremiah than anything else. The spirit there of Jeremiah was to weep over the the suffering and the separation and the exile that they were going to experience for years and years. He saw it all coming. The word tells us he literally saved up his tears in bottles so that God would be reminded, this is what I did to obey you. I chose this. I chose to obey you and to weep for my people. Mm -hmm. And he remembers that Jeremiah saved his tears And it says that God himself saves our tears in his bottle. Mm -hmm. We're not forgotten when we suffer, and we're not forgotten when we weep. We're not forgotten when we weep for others, Mm -hmm. when we suffer with others and enter into that suffering. There are probably plenty of people hearing this program today that are thinking to themselves, what about me? Mm. I'm hurting right now. Where is God when I hurt? Well, friend, I hope it doesn't sound harsh to say this, but he is here right now. If you're feeling that way to that kind of depth that Pastor Gary's been talking about in the program today, the splenitsamai, the kick in the gut, if that's what you're experiencing right now, I would simply encourage you to tell that to God now. Mm. Don't miss the opportunity to remind him that you feel these things deeply. And maybe even ask him, how can I see that transformed to something that's on your heart, your way? Because I promise you, friends, if we'll experience things God's way, in his heart, it will transform everything you think you're feeling about the situation you're in right now. And it'll give you more than just hope for tomorrow. It'll give you the bread of sustenance Mm -hmm. for today. Well, it gives us purpose when our hearts are broken for others. This is a selfish thing on my part. Mm -hmm. It really rejuvenates me. I love knowing that I can get to that place of lightheartedness in a way Mm -hmm. And peace when I have allowed myself to really get inside of the story or the hurt or the trauma of another person. That sounds weird, but it is a gift to me to know that God is calling me into that. 
I don't think it's unreasonable that some people might be sitting here saying, I've never been there. I haven't gone to refugee camps. I haven't mm-hmm. stepped out or I, I haven't even gone to be a part of a soup kitchen or help the homeless in my own town. The scripture is still calling out to us saying, join me in my experience. Mm-hmm. Let him fill your heart with his. Begin the process of understanding what splendid of my means to God. Mm-hmm. It is an invitation. It's a scary one. It mm-hmm. is a dangerous yes, prayer. It is. When we do pray those kind of prayers, honestly, God meets us where we are, and he transforms our experience into something that, as you said, honey, has purpose, makes sense within the context of who he is, and makes the suffering worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So if that's where you are, friend, I'm just saying our heart for you today is that you would seek God's heart so that his heart can flood yours with what you need right now. We'll be back with one more very special program in this series as our guest pastor, Gary Moreno of Legacy Church in Liberty Lake, Washington, wraps up his sermon on those dangerous prayers that lead to the compassion of Christ. God, break my heart for the things that break yours. We'll see you tomorrow. Remember, friends, your giving this month doesn't just support this unique media ministry— Every dime beyond our baseline budgeting is going to support the relief and rebuilding efforts in war-torn regions of Ukraine, led by wonderful Christian ministries already on the ground and doing tremendous work. I strongly encourage you to give above and beyond this month so we can make the most impact possible. Just call or write us today to help keep us on the air and in the field. Call 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com. We're waiting for you, friends. Hop on board.